0: together as a family throughout our whole meeting if you're a parent and you have a young child we have segregated an area in the cafe area that you can go and be with their child out there and play with some toys or if you're a little bit older so preschool and primary sorry primary school children we've got some tables over to my right your left with some activities on it that Richard's going to share with us For those of us who come here on a regular basis, you've probably sussed out our normal routine on a Sunday morning. Well, we've thrown that up in the air and we're doing absolutely everything differently. So I hope you manage to keep up with us. And at this point in time, I'm supposed to be handing over to Richard, but I can't actually see where... Oh, there he is. Come on, Richard, come and bring... He's going to start off by bringing us the word of God. So that's a bit radical, isn't it? So as we come together... Let's just seek God and ask God to calm our hearts and to hear what God has to say through us through what Richard's going to bring. Thank you, Richard. No, sorry.
1: Mm. That came in the back entrance, didn't I? Um, good, good morning. Good, you're awake. Um, can I talk to the children first? Do you mind? No, I'm just going to talk to the children. You can define whether you call yourself a child or not. There's there's no age definition here. Um, you can decide. But there are going to be four talks this morning, four short talks that I'm going to give to the adults. During each talk, I've set the children a challenge. Okay, they're in here. In this pack okay the packs are over there if you want it but you don't have to work over there you can work with your parents if you want to Um, that's up to you all I'd ask is that your parents are gonna really have to concentrate this morning on what I say so don't disturb them too much Uh, only if it's an emergency okay each challenge, you don't, you don't have to do all of the challenge, all the bits in the challenge, because some are a bit easier and some are a bit more tricky. That's up to you. Um, but I've also included a pencil and a little pack of sweets. Now, you must check with your parents if you can eat the sweets or not. If now you're thinking you'd rather do this, OK, you could can, can go over there and do that as well. All right. OK, that's pack of sweets. Um... Yep, it's up to you whether you do it at the tables, or you sit in the seats. I'll tell you when it's time to move on to the next challenge. Like I said, there's four challenges there. There will be a small reward if you come and show me what you've done right at the end of the service, okay? Small reward. Um, Okay, now, just got to work out what I'm doing. That's what the first task looked like, okay? So children now, if you want to go over to the tables and pick up the pack and get on with your first challenge, um, either over there or back with your parents, that's great. And the rest of us, okay, let's just pray, shall we? And then we'll talk. Open. I'm going to use the prayers of hundred. I'm going to use the words of a hundred and fifty-year-old prayer. I hope that's all right. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth you have for me place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free silently now i wait for thee ready my god thy will to see open my eyes illumine me spirit divine lord may that prayer be our each and everyone's prayer on their hearts this morning psalm 139 part one You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. David wrote this psalm, we're told. I wonder how he felt as he wrote it. Well, this morning, we're going to explore this psalm in four parts. I think you've got that now. And we're going to see how David unfolds this first statement and find out what it meant to him and what it can mean to us. He goes on and says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. So David says, doesn't he? He says, God knows what I do. God knows where I go. God knows what I'm thinking. He knows what I'm saying even before I say it. Now, we're used to Google knowing where we are. We're used to Amazon Amazon knowing what we're thinking about buying next. We're used to our watches knowing whether we're standing, sitting, lying down, and if we're walking, how many steps we've taken. Right. And we're used to surveillance cameras watching us, knowing where we are and what we're doing as we move about Sometimes that can feel a bit sort of creepy, can't it? Just remember, David wasn't used to any of those things. He goes on and says, You hem me in before and behind, and you lay your hand upon me. And again, to our minds, this verse might conjure up the picture of the police forcing protesters into a side street so they can't escape and then laying their hands on them to arrest them. But again, this won't have been the picture that David had. First and foremost, foremost, David was a shepherd. A shepherd who God chose to lead and protect his people as king. And David's sheep would have wandered free during the day. But to keep them safe at night, he would have used his knowledge of his sheep to find them and hem them in. So that they were unable to wander off at night. And you can picture can't you, David walking through his flock, pac- patting his head, laying his hand on their heads and making sure that they were, they, were, they were safe and happy at night. You see, God knows about David because God was there with David, like a shepherd with his sheep. David said that God is familiar with David and his ways. Just as you would be familiar with the ways and words and thoughts of someone you have spent a long time with. But David goes on to say, verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God's knowledge of David is beyond his comprehension, it's a a wonder knowledge. Above and beyond what one person can know about another. A knowledge that makes David wonder. Pause and reflect on the greatness of his God. But that word wonder also means singular. There's no other knowledge like it. God has a unique knowledge of David. He knows David better than he knows himself. And for us, we who are used to lots of people in organisation knowing lots about us, even we should stand in awe at the unique and complete knowledge the omniscient and almighty God has of each of us. God knows all about me. But you know, it's not just what God, God knows about me that's wonderful. It's how he knows it that's even more wonderful. It's He it doesn't have a divine surveillance system with the intention to catch me out and punish me. No, God knows me. God knows you because he is with you. Like a shepherd on the hills with their sheep. God knows us because he's with us. And am now going to hand over to Ben for the first bit of the worship. Thank you.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you this morning. If you're able, please do stand. We're going to start this morning with uh, a classic hymn, How Great Thou Art. And um, in keeping... In the spirit of doing things a bit different, this version is slightly different. So, um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) only slightly.
3: See the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. by power throughout the universe displayed and sings, and sings my soul, my Savior. My soul might say with shouts of acclamation and lead me home. What joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow with humble
2: you this morning because of who you are, Lord, because of what you've done. Lord, when we just consider how wonderful you are, all that you've done, your creation, um, your wonderful works, Lord, how can we not move into praise and worship? Lord, we want to honour you this morning. We want to glorify you. Lord, may your name be lifted high. Amen. Amen. Richard, back up now.
1: Use the front door that time. Sorry if it was a bit of a shock right at the beginning. Me doing the first part of the uh, the talk, as it were. I know sometimes it takes takes me just a little bit of time to sort of sort things out in my head and realize where I am um so um would you like me to go through it again no okay just remember God knows you because he's with you so he's with us this morning And when we sing our praise and worship as we have done you know we don't we don't it doesn't have to waft up to heaven for God to hear it he's here with us um appreciating it i hope i'm sure um having heard my first talk if anyone else wants to identify as a child feel feel free and you could go over there and get a pack and 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 do that that's fine um children hold on here we are if you want to move on to challenge two each of the challenges I've, I've set you are, are all roughly related to what I'm talking about to the adults. Um, if you want to carry on, you know, start on challenge two and, and, and leave out the rest of challenge one, that's fine. If you want to just eat the sweets, that's fine. Just don't, don't disturb your parents. Okay, right. We're now going to look at the, the second part of this psalm that David wrote that we have the privilege of being able to read. Um, So let's read it. Verse 7. No. Verse 7. David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. In this part of the poem, this part of the prayer, David now explores whether there is any distance he could travel that would put him beyond God's sight. I don't think that's what he was thinking of doing or wanting. I think he's just exploring this as he prays. He says, can I go so high into the heavens, the sky, into space? Or can I go so low, down, deep underground? Or can I go so wide, east to the wings of the dawn, the place of the, set, of the sunrise, or west to the far side of the Mediterranean Sea and beyond? No, says David. None of that will do. Because, verse 10, even there... Your hand, God, says David, will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. And then David goes on to explore the idea of hiding from God rather than fleeing from from God. He says in verse 11, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Now, David had experience of hiding in the dark, hiding in the back of a cave so that even though it was broad daylight outside, it was pitch black inside the cave. If you want to, you can read about it in 1 Samuel 22, but not now. It was a very effective way of David hiding from his enemies who were hunting him. But would it work with God? No, says David. Because, verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. But we know, don't we, that there are different types of darkness, other than just physical darkness. There are darknesses that can engulf and surround us every bit as well as the pitch blackness at the dark at the back of a cave. There's there's the darkness of depravity. Now that's not a word we use much these days, is it? It's all to do with making things bad or corrupt. And it's possible through a series of wrong decisions to end up corrupting our own lives and becoming trapped in the consequences of our choices. David knew all about that, 2 Samuel 11. The question is, can we sink so low morally so as to be hidden from God's sight? Then there's the darkness of despair, when circumstances beyond our control engulf us in waves of discouragement, when we really can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Does the darkness of despair hide us from God's sight? And then there's the darkness of depression, when we're engulfed with a sense of futility and hopelessness. And all we want to do is pull that blanket over our heads and hide in a dark corner. Can the darkness of depression hide us from God's sight? And there's even the darkness of dementia when we become engulfed in a strangeness that's no longer me, a darkness that means we don't know ourselves or our loved ones. Can such darkness cut me off from God's knowledge? Well, we'll often... When in these sort of dark situations, and and I must admit they don't have to begin with the letter D, there are others as well. But when we're in those dark situations, it feels like we are hidden from God. Often, to be honest, we feel like we want to hide from God. But do these things hide us as Christians from God's sight, from his understanding and his caring presence? No. As David said, even these sorts of darkness will not be dark to you, verse 12. For darkness, any sort of darkness, is light to you. You see, God sees me wherever I am. He's with me whatever state I am in, whatever dark situation surrounds me. And as David said in verse 10, even there your hand will guide me your right hand will hold me fast. God knows all about me. God knows all about you because he sees me. And whatever happens to me, his right hand will hold me fast. I think that means his right hand will give us a hug. But as Christians, we're often not aware of this, are we? So we need to not only believe it we need to practice it we need to practice the presence of god now that's a whole sermon in itself and i don't have time to develop this thought this morning and i don't see why the preacher should have to do all the work so this is for you all right when you get home why don't you try if nothing else try googling practicing the presence of god and read what you see And then, because it's on the internet, think about it and perhaps talk about it with somebody that you trust. We're halfway through. Ben. Where's Ben?
2: free to stand or sit, we're going to sing Who Breaks the Power.
3: So much stronger, the king of glory, the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless, and all in wonder, the king of glory, the king above all kings. This is amazing. Order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the king of glory, the king above all kings? Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun. you would take my place that you would bear my cross you would lay down your life that I would be set free for oh, Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me Jesus I say as I sing for all that you've done for me
2: Richard
1: can I, can I just check those of you that are having a go at my challenges, are you you're getting on all right? Does it make sense? Yeah? Okay. If you want to, thanks for the thumbs up. That's really good. Um, you can move on to challenge three if you like now. Okay, you're already doing challenge three, fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, shall I ask you whether it's going all right or not? No no chance but i am really i am really um, pleased that nobody over this side identified as a child and went and picked up a pack and and did that right part three can i just say thank you to judith for getting all everything in the right place at the, the right time That's challenge three. All right, if you have a look at it. Are you sure you don't want to go and do it? Because there's packs left if you do. All right. I think it's a wonderful psalm, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, can I just say, before I start, have you heard of the love languages? Yeah? Well, my love language is words of encouragement. So... (laughs) If... If you've got anything positive to say about this morning, please tell me. Any other comments? Andrew is the uh, responsible <laughs> elder. Okay. <clears throat> Let's carry on. <clears throat> David goes on and says, <clears throat> "And praise to God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb." I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. Secret place, that's a metaphor for the womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, again, that's a metaphor for the womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There are different types of knowledge. There's a knowledge that comes from being there and observing. And there's a knowledge that comes from creating and making. And in these verses, David beautifully And poetically paints the picture of God as the designing and creating skilled craftsperson, intimately and intricately, intimately and intricately involved in the making within the womb of a masterpiece. God knows us because he made us. He knows our purpose because he designed us. He knows our strengths and weaknesses down to the component level, if I might put it like that. He knows how we're put together. He knows what makes us tick. He knows our lifespan. And if I can say this, that there is a sense in which he made our body with a built-in obsolescence. But he didn't make us robots, fully programmed to do what he decides. Yes, the number of our days may be ordained, written in a book. But the Bible is clear how we use our days and the gifts and talents we're born with. Well, that's very much our responsibility with his help. But, verse 14, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully, that doesn't mean we should be something to be afraid of. Fearfully in the Bible means something to be reverenced, something to be respected and acknowledged as special. Wonderfully, oh, here's a test. I've already told you what wonderfully means. Can anyone remember? Because if you don't, I'm going home. <laughs> I did tell you, didn't I, in the first part, wonderfully means, it, it means something singular. Yeah, a unique thing, a, a one of a kind. So we are fearfully and wonderfully made. David is explaining that when somebody is born, God's creating work in the womb and the resulting person is to be given respect and regarded as a unique work of art. God's workmanship, if you like. Now, in our last series, which you've probably forgotten if you can't even remember at the beginning of the service, but it, in the last series, we stressed that as a Christian, we find our identity as being a child of God. And we looked at 1 John 3, verse 1, which is, one of the, again, one of the fantastic verses in the Bible. But as well as being a child of God, our identity should also be rooted in the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully designed and made by God. And as such, we should give ourselves and others respect. And we should value ourselves and others as priceless because we are God's Workmanship. We are his unique work of art. And as David thinks this through, he says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. David finds God's thoughts towards him to be uncountable and precious. David values what God thinks about him. God knows all about me. But but do we believe, as David did, that, that God therefore must often think about us? And do we find that thought precious? Or do we believe the lie that God hardly gives us a thought And that we should fear, not hold precious, what God really thinks about us. I think I'm going to hand over to Karen now.
0: Thank you, Richard. You know, just because we're doing things in a different way, in a different order this today, God is still here. God is still the amazing God on the throne, and his presence is here with us. So as we continue our worship, uh, in a minute I want to welcome the youth that are with us, which I didn't do earlier, because we want to pray for them, because many of them, or 24 from our church in actual fact, are heading off to New Day tomorrow. Some of you may not know what New Day is, so I'm going to read this bit because I don't want to get it wrong. It's one of the largest Christian events for peop- young people that takes place in the UK. And it takes place at the Norfolk Showground near Norwich. Thousands, and I mean thousands, of people aged between 12 to 18 from hundreds of different churches, both in the UK and Europe, gather together to learn about God, to worship him, to camp together and soak in the f- summer festival feeling and hopefully leaving new day further along the line in their relationship with god than when they first left our, our 24 youth are going to be joining youth from the vine in odium and life church in hook and we're not sending them on their own to have a jo- good old jolly we're sending some some leaders with them so we have tom he's actually on the road at the moment heading up to norfolk showground to get the ground prepared He's there, I've just been corrected. He's probably having a bacon butty, knowing Tom. And then we've got Fiona, who's got the enviable task of accompanying the youth on the coach tomorrow. And then we have uh, Andrew and Jess, I'm not sure that they're here today. And we also have Alistair and Sandra. You know, I would love to pray for them. So if you're going to New Day tomorrow, and I'm looking in that direction because that's where most of them are sitting, can I just ask you to stand? And if you're near them or around them, can I go and ask you to pray for them and pray big prayers that they would encounter God for themselves and that their lives would truly be transformed. We could do with a few more people gathering around some of our youth that are going... Let them encounter God. Let them hear from God at this time. Let's pray big prayers over them. It will be a transformation week. Father God, we want to thank you so much for New Day, a camp that for so many years has seen many young person come to faith. And we pray that for our youth today, that those that do not yet know him would encounter God, perhaps for the first time. And for those who have experienced God in the past, that that faith and that encounter would grow deeper. I pray, Father God, that you'd open their ears, their hearts and their minds to hear and to receive from you, and that as they walk for, with you, when they come back, they would know your hand and your guidance. On our practical side, we ask, Lord God, that you'd be with them as they travel up together. May there be a fun and excitement, but may they all behave, and may there be no illnesses or sicknesses on the way. And we pray that for during the week. We pray that there's nobody that's poorly and who therefore has to miss, miss out. We also pray, Lord God, that... No one feels excluded when they're there, that there'll be a great unity and that strong, lasting friendships would grow, that they would raise up friendships that they've never known before and they will help them and support them when they come back uh, to us here at Harvest Church. We pray that this would be a mighty adventure with them. Thank you that you have a plan for each and every one of them. And speak to them about the exploits and adventures that you want to do with them. Help them, each and every one of them, to realise that the encounter they have with you, Father God, could be life-changing if they want to follow you going forward. We ask for mighty blessing on each and every one of them. Speak to them in words, speak to them in tongues, give them visions. Release those giftings within them that when they come back, they can share with the rest of us all the things that you've done in their lives and that they would truly be transformed to follow you for the rest of their lives. Go before them, Lord. Thank you. Amen. I think it's over to Ben now. We've changed the plan, so we don't know where we're going, but here you go.
3: is in you descended into darkness you
2: Richard,
1: can i just thank the, the band for leading us in worship and for being willing to go up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and they might go up and down again i don't know yet thank you i suppose i better reveal a bit more about myself um Although it may not be much of a revelation. Um, For 40 years, I was a teacher. Um, But you might have guessed that. I don't know. Shall we recap just briefly? I said, firstly, at the end of the first part, God knows me because he is with me. If you're a Christian this morning, God knows you because he's with you. And then at the end of the second part, And I can't remember, so I've got to look up. I said, God knows all about me, but we have to practice the presence of God. He's there with us if we're a Christian, but we need to practice the presence of God. And that's your homework. That means I'm a teacher, you see. That's your homework to find out how how you might be able to develop that. And then at the end of the third section, I said god knows all about me sorry yeah oh, i said god i've lost it now um god knows all about me uh, and he's often thinking about me and we're not to believe the lie that what god thinks about us is is something you know not very nice god that is, it's precious that god is thinking about me often Children, that's what you should be on by now if you haven't done it already. If you've done it already, just go back to the beginning and start again, all right? (laughs) And don't forget at the end, come and see me and there might be a reward. Right. This is the last section, you'll be glad to know. David prays, if only you, God, would slay the wicked... Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. And and you can read the rest. David was clearly upset about his treatment by others. He describes them as wicked, bloodthirsty people in verse 19, with an evil intent in verse 20, and they were haters of God, verse 21. I'd sort of suggest to you as well something else you can do in your own time, and that's to read through David's biography, which is found in 1 and 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. Um, Read it through soon, but not now. And if you do that, you will find quite a few people who David could have been thinking about as he prayed this prayer. Now, we might think these words to be a bit sort of unchristian. But I want you to remember the context of David's life. He was God's anointed king. He was chosen to shepherd God's people. He was probably more identified with God than almost any other person in the Bible, apart from perhaps Moses and Jesus. You see, To hate David was to hate God. To hate God was to hate David. And remember also that David and those close to him were often under threat of death. You know, they weren't living in 2023 in Alton. It was a different situation. He was often under threat of death. And that was just by those that were close to him. That's not counting his enemies. Read that this afternoon and and you'll find out. Remember the context of David's life. But also remember the context of this psalm. It's a psalm. It's in the book of Psalms. All right? It's a book of prayers. This is a personal prayer of David that we have the privilege of reading and learning from. So what can we learn from it? Well, firstly, in this prayer, David owns the emotion that these people have provoked in him. And it's a strong emotion, isn't it? He owns the emotion and he shares it with God. He doesn't try and hide it or, you know, lessen it, or whatever. He owns it and he shares it with God. But also notice that he leaves. The outcome of the prayer to God. He says, if only you, God, would do something. Now, as King, he could well have taken care of things himself. And he might have thought, well, that's the right thing to do. And there were, were in times in his life when he did that. But here, no. He learned, no, I'm going to bring it to God. I said, I've got to bring it to God. And I'm going to trust him for the outcome. If only you, God, would do something. You see, God knows all about me. So I have to be honest in my prayer. If it's important to me, it's important to God also. Yes, he knows. But we need to tell him exactly how it is for us. Perhaps so that we know that he knows exactly how we're feeling. So we need, we need to be honest. We need to tell God. And then we need to trust God. For the timing and the nature of his response to our prayer. Okay. God, life, emotion. Let's draw this to some sort of conclusion. God knows me better than I know myself. So God is best placed to search me and to know my heart. That is, my desires, my motives, my attitudes, those things that perhaps drive me along. He's also best placed to know my anxious thoughts, my cares and my worries. Those things that prey on my mind. Those things that perhaps hold me back. And we need, to time, we need to spend time asking God to share the results of his examination with us. To help us know ourselves as well as he knows us. What about life? In verse 24, there, that word offensive means something different in the Bible to what we might say now. Literally, it means promoting idol worship. Now that's not lazy worship, it's I D O L, not I D L E, all right. Idol worship. You see, in our daily life, in the path that we tread, the way that we follow. Do our hearts, the things that drive us forward, or do our worries, the things that hold us back, do they cause us to turn to something other than God first for help, understanding, and care? Because that's what idol worship looks like today. Do our hearts or our worries lead us away from trusting the God who knows us best? Or are we on the everlasting way? The everlasting way is the the ancient way that God's faithful people down through the ages have followed. It's the enduring way that will help us persevere and take us safely through whatever life throws at us. It's the eternal way that leads us through life to an eternity in the presence of God. Emotion. I don't really do emotion. That's something else that you, I'll share with you about myself. Um, you might have noticed I didn't I didn't read the end of verse eighteen because I wanted to keep it to the end. I think this is the best bit. David says, "When I awake, I am still with you." You know, this phrase should bring great peace if you are a Christian this morning because even though god knows all about you and i mean he knows all about you your past your present and your future even though god knows knows all about you he will still be there when you wake in the morning and the next morning and the next morning and when you wake from the sleep of death he'll be there Why? How can this be? If God really knew me, would he hang around? Would he really want to spend every morning and every day with me? If he really knew me, how can it be? Well, the answer, as is often the case, is because of Jesus, isn't it? And if this morning you know what that means, if you know that because of Jesus, you can be sure that God will be with you in the morning when you wake up and every morning, then at least silent hallelujah should rise within you as you skip home this morning. But if this morning you don't know why or how Jesus and faith in him can mean that you can be sure that God will be with you in the morning when you wake up, then please, please, please speak to someone before you leave. Thank you for listening so well this morning. Sorry, that was for the children. No, that was you as well. Thank you, children. Was that all right? Don't forget to show me your things at the end for a small encouragement. And, but thank you all for listening. I hope that was helpful. And I think now I'm going to hand back to Andrew. I'm going to hand back to Curry? I'm going to hand back to Ben. I'm going to step down.
2: We're going to finish with a song. Please stand.
0: Lord, just how wonderful you are. We ask that you would truly receive our adoration. As Richard said, as we skip home today, remember all that God has done and is doing in our lives. It's amazing. And he loves each and every one of us. He knows what's going on in our lives. Nothing is a secret from him. So if you are struggling today or you've got some queries or questions, Please come and ask for help or prayer or whatever will help you move on in your journey with God. And if I could just ask you to sit down just a few more minutes. It's not the time to turn off, by the way. We've still got a little bit to go. I want to thank everybody in the band. Richard, the PA and Song Pro. It's been a little different this morning, so just keeping up with what's going on. It's a little bit more stressful than usual, but thank you. I'd also like to thank those who may be guests and visitors of, amongst us this morning. We're so glad that you've been with us and uh, we hope you've enjoyed your time with us. As you came in, hopefully you were given one of our wonderful welcome packs. In there, there's a little book that will tell you something about us and also there will be a connect card and we would just ask if you could just complete that and pop it in the gift and the offering box over there. It Just help us to be able to connect with you and uh, perhaps help you support you or if you've got queries or questions we can then start a conversation with you so please do that a um, couple of notices if anyone's tired or weary you got queries and questions you know what's really good and really encouraging is when we gather together to encourage one another we have an opportunity to do that this week we have an hour of prayer on Tuesday. Here at Autumn Maltings, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, just love to be able to gather with many people to be able to praise and glorify him. Sometimes it's difficult because you do feel tired and weary and the last thing you want to do is go out. But when I've experienced that, when I've pushed through that feeling and I've gone, I've been so glad I have because God has encountered me wherever I was at. So if I can encourage you for that. um, Next Sunday, it's likely to be a different setup again. So hopefully you can keep up with next week as you did this week. We have our International Sunday, where we'll be celebrating our diversity. It's so great to have so many people and so many different nations here amongst us that we want to celebrate and thank God for for that. So hopefully you can make that. And in the meantime, we will be serving refreshments over there to my left or right. And just to a quick reminder of Richard's homework, to go home and practice in the presence of God. Just wait on him. Just listen to him and see what God's saying. And then he suggested you read David's biography in Samuel 1 and 2, which should keep you quiet for a couple of hours. Anyway, whatever you're doing for the rest of the day, be blessed, enjoy, and Stay behind for some refreshments and thank you for being with us today.